Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. Aaron Young, Tim Kaprizak and Johan both are all ran PBs at the Australian Backyard Masters a couple of weeks ago and they came on this podcast to talk all about it. Here we go. Okay, Aaron, Tim and Johan, how are you going? Good day, Pat. Yeah, how well, you doing? Man. <laughs> Good. Um, yes, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Um, the Masters was epic, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was it was an amazing event um, for a number of perspectives. Just like the, some of the the totals that people produced there, and I think also like it was such a great event from like a community perspective. I think um, everyone was like pretty happy to have a bit of a chat and socialize, and so we had a lot of fun out on course. Yeah, the um, your sixty three yards, Aaron, that beat your previous best by. 10 so it looks like you're locking for bigs now so that's awesome yeah it's super exciting i got an email from laz maybe like two days ago just to say you know um what are you thinking are you planning on we, we just want to know if anyone's not planning on coming if they qualify so um yeah so um um yeah that that was like the first big like thing it's pretty exciting to get the email from laz yeah did he, he he didn't um indicate how many people were in and out or anything like that did he no no he, he just it was more of a blanket email to the people that have got between 60 and 70 and i think just trying to get a bit of a lay of the land of who's coming and who's not but yeah. i don't um have any further insights so i can really add to that Fair enough. I remember reading somewhere that you um, you changed up your mindset a bit, like, and you credit that for your improvement at Masters. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, in the lead up, uh, I, I was I was complaining. I had a from about so it might have been like a month before um, mid May. I I did um, Ultra Perth, which is a fifty k road race, and from that point, I'd had problems with my ankles, problems with my hamstrings, problems with like a lot of different parts, my feet. Um, so I, I kind of, um, what I didn't have very high expectations going into this race. I thought oh, I, I'll, I'll just go over and give it a crack. And I was just looking to um, kind of enjoy the experience as much as possible. Um, I'd run with a bit with Rob Parsons at Hurdies. And so he had his strategy that he used at the um at the satellite champs was just to run three and two and it um and kind of just do that throughout his laps and so i was like well maybe i'll, tr I'll try that um the laps with him at hurdies seemed to go by pretty quick and yeah i did i didn't have as much i didn't put as much pressure on myself i i because i didn't have much of an expectation i just kind of thought well i'll just try and have fun as much fun as possible and um and that and uh, tim and johan certainly helped with that having uh, you know i ran ran with both of them for you know a, like we we would have run together for at least 35 out of the uh, the laps that we were together i reckon um so that That's made a big cool. difference too you know what, though, aaron, oh sorry Pato. you know what i've seen i noticed though aaron when you were running you were dragging everyone across that finish line with you like i didn't I, I couldn't even tell you how many times all right i'd seen you talking to someone and you're like no no you've got more in you come on keep going 
if anyone deserved to get at 63, right, it was definitely you. Like I use so much of your own energy to get everyone else to, to, you know, push their limit. I was surprised a few times. I'm like, you know, you'd hang back to get people to get, to keep going. And I'm like, so you were eating into your own time just to help others. I'm like, and watching you do that, I'm like, he's definitely going to go big just for the sense of you deserve to get something huge out of this because you've helped so many people get there. It was pretty cool. I got as I think I got as much out of it as um, anyone that I was speaking to because um, certainly when your attention is focused on other people, um, all of a sudden you're not really thinking about the little aches and pains and anything else that's going on. It's just a case of, oh, I've just got someone to have a bit of a chat with here and we're just going to chat and we're going to run and um and yeah it was a lot of it was a lot of uh it was a lot of fun that's actually a good way to look at it actually yeah like i mean i like the first 15 hours running with ollie was very similar for me like there was just i don't even know where that time went you know because i was always worrying about him coming in or running a loop with him or you know all that kind of stuff so you kind of um yeah you're right you take that focus off your own pains because you're kind of helping someone else out or or having a chat to someone or whatever it may be. <clears throat> and um, and just to clarify, Aaron, you did mention you were running three, two. Does that mean you were running three minutes and then walking two? Yeah, well, they kind of changed a little bit throughout the the race. I think for, for a big chunk of it, we, we probably ran a little bit more at the beginning of the lap, maybe like seven and three a lot of the time just to get the legs kind of going again. And then from there we'd run three and two, or I think the first night even we were running three and three, which is like three minutes running and then three minutes walking. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, walking with Tim in particular, particularly once there's any kind of like uphill nature to the trail, like he, he walks as quick as a lot of people run. It's, it's quite remarkable. You do a lot of um, you do a lot of walking for practice, don't you, Tim? Yeah, I kind of use a, a break at work to um, to yeah to just walk. And some of the guys that I walk with at work, they're they're kind of they walk fast as well. So you're trying to keep up, or and yeah, I don't know. It's just naturally just kind of evolved from being a nice stroll to to a really fast walk like even now like i think how on earth could i not get around another loop when i can walk when i'm walking at this pace um but it does it helps a lot like and it, it was it wasn't on purpose i didn't start doing it on purpose but it, i've now i found it to be like actually really beneficial like even um at down under i found it really helpful for in a lot of a lot of parts of down under was were a lot of walks um so then if you're moving a lot faster you're saving so much time i always used to think that there was you either run at about a six minute pace or you walk at about a 10 but there's an actual in between that you can kind of it's around about 8 eight thirty. that if you can walk that you're saving so much time mm. do you but the guys I... did make fun of me the whole time every time i walked past <laughs> you know, it was quite funny that uh, i was walking like that so that what they would do they would stop 15 seconds um later or they or we take off or they tell me to take off or whatever it was i couldn't even remember it was so funny um but yeah nah, do walk a little bit too fast <laughs> like are you one of those guys who just walks fast everywhere now like when you're at the shops like yeah. you, 
ramming ram yeah. up it behind everyone and stuff. Yeah, it's frustrating. Like even walking down the hill from work, it's like there's there's a heap of people in a line, and I'm like, I just want to get to the car because I'm like, well, I'll save some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and qualifying for bigs was a massive um, driver for you, wasn't it, Tim? At the Masters, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a massive driver. I, you know, I, I. It's funny. I listened to your podcast with Ollie, and like, it's funny. Both of you were like, "I wish I could go back to." Ollie was like lap fifteen. You were lap twenty-one, and I'm like, "I wish I could go back to that start line of fifty-six." And I, all I needed was two or three more, and it probably would have seen me get there. Um, for now, I'm just sitting and waiting. Um, I personally, I think I'll get knocked off. I think there's some really big races coming up. I think yeah. at birdies, there'll be a lot of people pushing um, to get that, that, that around that 60 mark. And I think that there's a couple of European ones as well that will be near there. But yeah, if I don't make it, then you know, then there's always a couple more years. In, in a couple more years, I'll be even hungrier than ever. But yeah, um, yeah, the goal was to get there, but. Yeah, I don't know. Fifty-five might be lucky for me. But I'll uh, I'll see what happens. Yeah, because you're currently eighty-second on the at-large list, so you are you're not far away. No, all it, yeah, all it takes is a couple of people not to. It, it, it could take you know you get two or three people that aren't able to travel or something like that, and it, it quickly goes down because then you know sometimes people on the wait list even. Even them, those people might be like, "Oh no, I'm not really interested" or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like I mean, as it stands, if it will, if it stayed as it stood, or if it stayed as it as it is, I'd um I'd be like, oh, "Okay, maybe a fifty fifty chance." But with some big races coming up, um, I need a I need the cars to fall my way. Mm. And um, Johan, the um, Masters was a massive PB for you as well, wasn't you? Did forty three yards. Yes, it was. Um, you know, before that, I I did thirty at uh, Circle Carnage last year, so it was a big uh, improvement. And you know, you like everyone has said, you think oh, I could have done one or two more, but I felt I left most of it out there this time. Um, I listened to Big Kev on your podcast a while ago, and he was saying, you know, how many times has given up and all of that. So you know, I feel I've done five now, and I've given up twice and three times. I've pretty much you know, push my boundaries where I was at that stage. And, um, you know, like most say, they want to do more. So, you know, I would obviously love to do more. I'd, I'd love to get to 48 and then get into the 50s. And then, you know, I think my ultimate goal one day, I'm not, you know, a Phil or someone who's going to go 100 plus. But deep down, I think I can get to 72. I, I do believe I can hopefully one day get to three days worth and, um, you know, get into... You know, probably a little bit more of the elites in backyard, backyard ultra running then. One of the um, things you mentioned to me was the Masters wasn't even really on your radar until after Dead Cow Gully because you we, we only did 18 there. So what happened at Dead Cow Gully earlier this year? Um, I think it was the temperature change again. I think that, you know, first day was 30 degrees and then it got down to, it felt to me like single figures, like eight or nine degrees and you know 1 a.m was 18 hours and i just had enough i was in shorts and a t-shirt and a jacket and i just didn't want any more of it and you know it got pretty lonely out there because it's it's people i've never run with and and that's where aaron was was really good with you know not just me 
but everyone around him in this event to drag guys through where I felt Dead Cow Gully in April was it was a very lonely run. You know, there was no one really running my pace. Um, I didn't speak to a lot of people. No one really, you know, chatted to me. So, you know, it takes one or two little things. And before you know it, you, you pull the pin and you say, well, that's my race done and, and that's it. And you know, like you said, from there we drove to uh Torquay on the great ocean road as a family and i listened to a couple of podcasts and on that drive i actually turned to my wife and i said i reckon i'm going to do backyard masters and you know i'm not happy with what happened in in april and, and i want to improve on that so sort of that's where the motivation came from and um the change came mm. so did you go in with a different plan or a different strategy it was or was just a mindset thing um i think you know running with phil a couple of times before like at birdies last year and hysterical the first year when i was in my first ever race and i arrived there with one little esky and hope for the best um so then you start picking up pointers and you think okay this looks great and you know i started having the full map out of what 50 hours or 48 hours looks like and actually at, at at backyard masters i went away from that again i just had a 24-hour marked on a whiteboard a you know main meal or a snack every three hours um i kept it pretty simple for my crew and thought you know i'm going to go with this this time and and i thought it worked pretty well i wasn't as detailed as Timon and aaron on either side of me during the run but i still felt i i knew what i wanted to do and my crew knew one what what i wanted to do and i think that was important you know josh has been on all my adventures that i've done and dan kamak who you know and, and you guys know he's obviously a great runner um as well he's done 51 at hurdies so i had a little bit of both someone who knew me very well and someone who was a very good runner and i felt the balance was great um so yeah that that certainly helped i didn't have to be 100% planned for every single lap. They could adjust. I said, just give me something different to eat every three hours and I should be good to go. Mm. And you must like a road trip because you drove both times. <laughs> yeah, when I got there, I didn't even think about it. Tim said, you know, you've driven about 7,000 kilometers to get here. And I thought, Tim, how do you get to that? And I worked it out. It was the 5,000 in April and another 2000 to get back there and it took us 2000 so i've driven 9000 to dead cow gully in this year yeah. um but yeah it, it was definitely worth it it was 100 percent worth it to run with you know the with aaron and, and tim for such big periods um just made me realize again why this is such a great format because you know point to point i'm not fast enough to to run with the front runners or you know stick with them and you see them at the start you see them at the finish when this format, you know, you talk to different guys, everyone has said Harvey was excellent. He was brilliant. Um, you know, I ran with him a couple of times or he was sort of around us a couple of times. Um, even Ollie, you know, Oliver, he was around us. Um, so there were so many guys that, that sort of helped you along. And, and, you know, it made me realize again that this is a great format and I definitely want to do more of them. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that I found hard was the cold. And I mean, I'm sure you all, all three of you agree that it was freezing at night time. Um, uh, Tim, I know you've raced a lot of um, races like Unbreakable. You've done a lot of Yu Yang 100 milers. So you, you, you know, 
you know what it's like to race in the cold. So did it bother you as much as it might have others? I, I, not at all. I didn't even feel the cold at all. I, I was giving Johan my gloves because I was running. I'm like, I don't want my gloves. And Johan's like, oh, man, I forgot my gloves. I'm like, oh, here, take mine. Like, I wasn't, I don't know. I just don't feel the cold as much as other people. I was in my shorts the whole night, both nights. I didn't, the second night, I, um, I don't think I even put a jacket on both nights. Yeah, I don't think I, I just had a long sleeve, like, thermal top on. But I just, yeah, I don't feel it. And, I mean, I when I ran unbreakable, I got frostbite on my fingers as well. And um, but yeah, I just don't feel the cold as much. I think I just kind of warm myself up, and then it just kind of spreads out. And but mind you, on the flip side, I'm not great in the heat. So mm. um, so yeah, so I heard he's like you would have seen some of the footage of uh, when I was got up pretty cooked. So yeah, um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great to watch, but. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel it as much as other people, but I mean, I didn't get into the third and fourth night either, so I um, things might have been a bit different the longer I went on. Yeah, the um, Aaron, you're riding to birdies, aren't you? You're running at birdies and you're riding there, and then riding home again. Can you tell us about that adventure? Uh yeah. So, um. What, so I'm riding. I so uh, one of my, one of my best mates, um, uh, John. He he and I have been talking about riding the Mundabidi for for a while. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer, and has, it's been told that it's terminal. Um, so we, we're just we kind of thought, well, let's just make sure we get it done this year, um, and we were going to do it in june so i'd originally pulled out of the masters um to do the ride with john but he's um over in europe at the moment doing a little bit of travel so the the then he gets back on i think oh it's like the 22nd or something of july so we're like a couple of days after that we're going to take off and ride the, the mundabidi which is a gravel trail down to um birdies and then over, we'll probably that I think the first stretch it's going to be about 500k. So we'll do that over about five days. We'll do Birdie's backyard, and then um, the day after it finishes, we'll take off and go and finish the trail, which goes for about another six or 700k's down to Albany. Um, so it's going to be like a two and a bit week adventure, which is I'm looking really looking forward to. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. The um, and you mentioned. Great. You, 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 still, you mentioned that you're still planning on going over two nights at birdies though even with all that cycling you'll still be able to go two nights well that's the plan um <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just see how the, the body pulls up i don't because the, the days themselves it's not going to be um intense like they're not going to be kind of like thrashing ourselves on the bike they're going to be just you know probably riding for six let's say six hours a day um so i i'll be obviously conscious with um bigs in october that i don't want to um like injure myself or end up getting so fatigued that i can't train um once that's all finished but uh, discussing it with you know, my coach pete i think that i should the cycling shouldn't affect me too much um and i mean the plan at the moment is to run through two nights just because uh, there was a couple of things that I thought worked really well at the Backyard Masters. Um, 
and I wanted to just go through that process again and see how it how it would all work. I think um, oh, you you asked me about my training in the lead up to the Masters, and one one thing that I did do a, a little bit of um, was I did some longer bike rides where I got to kind of trial how I use caffeine and those kind of things to to keep myself mentally alert and um, found that you know if I if I take it more if I have caffeine more frequently but like a smaller rather than drinking a whole can of Red Bull but just having a little bit of it more regularly um, that I tend to find that that has a much bigger impact for me just so just those kind of little things that I found really helpful it'll give me a bit of a chance to experiment with that which is the idea of going for two nights um so yeah that's that's something that's coming up uh and i guess the the other thing just to to mention I, i'm probably gonna um put something out on on social media in the next few days is that um john and i have been talking a lot about um because we're doing this big challenge um could could we actually do some kind of fundraiser is there someone in the running community that maybe could use some support at the moment i know there's um you know like times are not the easiest for everyone so we could use this as a bit of an opportunity to maybe help someone out um so i i'm going to put it out there for people but if if anyone kind of knows someone you know maybe a family that's got a a a child that needs um, medical support or um just having a tough time in life at the moment and and you know you think they might benefit from from some kind of support financial or, or or otherwise if we can do something to kind of help them um i'll um you know maybe hit me up on instagram or something and send me a message and um yeah and i'd be happy to try and set something up mm. well definitely um let me know and i'll definitely share everything on socials um and help get the word out there too yeah thanks pato the um uh, with um the masters i'm not sure aaron if i've asked you uh, what actually got you in the end at 63. i think mate mainly it was a mental just i mean look don't get me wrong i was in a position where i was starting to get like pretty sore and um but i think you know it was around about lap probably 59 i started to see myself going up the list and i i just started to mentally check out um i i know probably lap 61 i didn't eat all my food and i didn't take a drink bottle and like just doing some silly things that you know i know i should have taken the food eaten the food drunk what i had in my plan to drink and i just kind of like um didn't didn't do that and it wasn't that my crew wasn't telling me to do it i just kind of like completely it was almost like my brain had just decided that's it um so i guess that's another thing to work on uh for me when i go to to birdies is just to kind of work through why why that's kind of happening or what i can do to um work through some of these issues if it does get a little bit tough um but yeah i think essentially like i came to qualify for bigs and then i felt like i'd done enough and i just kind of stopped it was yeah i was probably Oh, sorry, Matt. Oh, I was just saying, so, so the body's totally fine. Is you've pulled up well as far as your body goes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was 
I got in, like, we flew back the next day um, and I got home and jumped on the bike and jumped straight on the, the trainer and, um, you know, I, fe I felt pretty fine, like a little bit tired, but um, that's pre this is probably the best that I've pulled up from Backyard Ultra. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> um, I, I think everyone knows, Tim, that, you finished a bit early because you injured yourself. So how how are you how are you going now? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad. I um, yeah. So obviously, I I rolled my ankle. So what happened? I thought that it was from rolling. I think I was running with Aaron at the time when I rolled my ankle around mid the mid twenty laps, and um, and yeah, and I thought, oh, geez, that's not good. But it was just a bit of a tweak, and I I just kept on running, but. I'd, I'd rolled my ankle a couple of weeks, a really good roll. I couldn't walk for two or three days, um, two weeks out from the event. Um, and I didn't get scans on it or anything like that. But then I was looking through my notes the other day that my crew had been riding for me every lap. And it did at lap seven is the first time I started complaining about it, mm. um, that it was starting to get really sore. And um, so, yeah, and then obviously it just got, it just got too much. By lap 54, 55, it got to the point where I was like kicking a tow bar every time my foot landed. I'd already adjusted my stride to, you know, help it and stuff like that. And then um, Phil's um, mate, who's a doctor, had a look at it and he was concerned that it was a stress fracture, just the way it was presenting on the front of the shin. Um, so, yeah, so I decided that probably, probably a good time to kind of, yeah, call it a day. But then, yeah, I come home and, Oh, like, I mean, I, I was on crutches for over a week. Um, I went and got some more scans and that come back as um, a torn ligament in my ankle, but not not fresh. So obviously I'd torn the ligament two weeks prior, gone into the event, and um, I was talking to my soft tissue therapist as well, and he's like, well, what have you done? You've obviously overcompensated to try and protect the ankle. And then your tendon in the front of your shin spasmed and done some funky stuff there. So, so there was a whole mess. It was a I shouldn't have. I probably in hindsight I probably shouldn't have even ran. But yeah. I, I'm like, well, you're going to run anyway. And it wasn't hurting when I started. It wasn't hurting, but yeah, by the end it was it was so inflamed. It was so yeah, it was pretty bad. And then yeah, I sat down in that chair and then I had to I had to get up so I had to go to the toilet and whether it was stepping on the on that foot again that that caused me to to my body to go into shock or whether or whatever it was and then yeah then I passed out and then I come back a couple of minutes later with 15 faces staring at me going I'm like oh shit I passed out yeah. and then but what had happened I was on the ground and I was in so I was in agony cuz instead of walking around and things you know loosening up and you know not cooling down too quick I just stopped dead and laid down. And when I'd come to, it was like I'd had 10 hours sleep and I was, I'm trying to get back up. And I was just, yeah, I was in a really bad way when I stopped. But, wow. yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's yeah, it's a shame that, that that happened. But at the end of the day, I mean, I went there to qualify for, bird, for, for bigs and I wanted to make sure that I knew that I could go further than, than what, what I thought I could. I, but the only way to do that is to either beat Phil <laughs> which or get injured and then know that you could have gone further had you not gone injured. But um but yeah, 
yeah and then the the whole qualifying thing well that much that's up in the air but yeah so that's how, how i kind of finished up but in, in saying that i have been i've gone for a couple of runs in the last two days and i've still got a little bit of that tendonitis pain in the front of the shin but um and the ankle's super duper unstable but for my own mental health i thought go for a couple of runs and just <laughs> enjoy it and kind of not overthink it too much but I'm hoping that, yeah, a couple more weeks and I can get some more Ks in the legs. Mm, yeah, I saw you did a pretty um, a pretty decent 6K yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it felt, it didn't feel terrible. It didn't feel terrible. It was funny. There's other things that hurt more because yeah. I probably haven't recovered properly like I would normally, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, I'm glad. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't, I thought I'd done a lot more damage than what I've actually done. The swelling was so bad that, I couldn't even get. I couldn't get a shoe. I couldn't get a thong on. I couldn't. I couldn't get anything on that shoe on that foot for a good week. Right. Um, and then, so I didn't know what the damage was going to be until that swelling went down. But yeah, I swelled up pretty bad on that on that ankle. Mm. So I asked um, Ollie on the podcast a few days ago. He wasn't. He wasn't there when you actually um, collapsed. So he missed it. But um, his bag of lollies. Yeah, yeah. So, but it must have been pretty um, confronting for your family who were there. Yeah, my wife, when I come to, my wife had tears in her eyes. She's like, oh, my God, like, what's happened? Um, I could imagine, like, I have I have passed out before. Like, I dropped a log on my finger at home doing some landscaping, and um, I kind of know that my body kind of goes into shock. So I quickly ran inside and sat down on the couch and, and passed out and then come back too. But... Um, but yeah, I guess I guess her concern, and I, I reckon a lot of people's concern sometimes is when you're doing s- such a crazy endurance sport that when something like that happens, it it can be a lot more. They think that it can be that it's a lot more serious than just maybe you know low blood pressure or just um, shock. If the body just wanted to shock because you've hurt yourself, um, they can think it it could be something even a lot worse. Um, so yeah, so she was pretty concerned about that. But yeah, like I mean, we called the ambos and stuff like that, and yeah, in the hospital it was pretty funny. I, I definitely got a lot of attention in the hospital. All the nurses, all the doc- everyone wanted to, you know, I was like a um, like a science project. That I, <laughs> that was, but it was great. I got a lot of tests, like they they tested like like kidney function and all that kind of stuff, and everything come. They're like your results are like perfect, like a person that hadn't even been running. Um, so it was good to. It was actually good to see what. And, and then, you know, for my wife and I suppose everyone else to get an understanding that, you know, if you do train right and do all the right things that, that you can push your body to these limits and you're not, it's not too detrimental to your organs and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I know, you know, Tim, I've told you this, that um, when I dropped after 21, I got a message from my father saying, do you think you should stop doing ultras now? Yeah, like he worried about my body it was pretty heartbreaking just like if not long after i dropped to get a message like that <laughs> do, yeah, do any... I've, I've, yeah it's it's a hard one like my mum's my been concerned as well like i think people like i think a lot of the time when people don't actually do sports like this or don't um you don't because they don't really hear about it all that much either and when they, when you tell them what you're doing, they are concerned for you, like, you know, especially your loved ones. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, you're not able to run for, 
two days straight without training and without doing all the the right things, your body's not going to let it, you know, pitulate because, you know, you've got to train to be able to go that far. So, you know, if you haven't trained, you might make it to three or four loops. Um, if you if you've trained a little bit more, you'll get it to 24. And, you know, the more experience you get, the deeper you can go. And, you know, I mean, how many backyard ultras have been run now and how many people have run them? And, and I mean, apart from the odd overuse injury, um, there's not too many people that are, you know, complaining that they, you know, or the, when you look at it, there's a lot of people going back. So they must be getting something positive out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, Johan, I know you're um, from a sporting background. Um, how did you get into ultra running? Yeah, Pat, I think um, sort of when my career started coming down to, towards the end of it, um, when I was just playing Big Bash, I sort of thought, oh, I've got to find something that's going to challenge me a little bit. And um, I've got to do something from February to October. So that's sort of where, where the running came into it. When I played, I, I never ran much. I would cycle and I cycled quite a lot. I did some charity rides and things like that. But um, yeah, I was just looking for a challenge. And, and like most people, you start with a half marathon, then you go a bit more. And then I sort of realized uh, I'm not quick enough to you know compete in a marathon. So I've got to go further. You know, then you go to a hundred miler and, and things like that. And, you know, and it ended up with his backyard. So, you know, it's, it's a great format to, to challenge yourself for distance. You know, it's not probably at times the most exciting It's not a change of terrain or a climb and up and down and, you know, through riverbeds and over mountains, but from a distance point of view, it's a great challenge. And, you know, listening to Laz on your podcast, you said, you actually don't want the course to be too hard because then you don't go far enough to challenge the mind. And, mm. you know, th that, that's the biggest challenge for all of us is, you know, how far can you really go? Mm. And have you um, had anyone in your family or anything like that saying, what are you doing? <laughs> you anything like that? I've had a lot of people say that. Uh, family, friends, uh, just random people that I talk to. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I, you know, I suppose in, in this type of event and format and ultra distance running, you got to enjoy the training. And I do enjoy the training, um, you know, the daily discipline. Um, I suppose coming from a sporting background, there's already that discipline. And I wanted to keep going with that. So, you know, my consistent running was probably from the 6th of December 2017. So, you know, what's that coming up almost to six years? And um, I'm about 50k short of 25,000. So, you know, that, that's good consistency. And, and that's probably what I'm most happy about. You know, these events are great. Um, but I, I do enjoy getting out there every day. And now I've got, you know, Austin starting to join me, my 12-year-old. Um, our whole family does park run on a Saturday morning. Uh, my wife's on a current walking streak. She's walked from the 1st of January and hasn't missed a day. So it's at least 2k a day. So it's it's good to see that as rubbing up on on some people, um, but yeah, in 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 the in the cricket scheme of things, I wouldn't have run with too many cricket players, you know. Yeah. Um, in my time there, I didn't run with many, and and that's probably a little bit the frustrating thing in cricket is your skill can cover so much. Mm. You know, you don't have to be super fit if if you're very good at switching on and off. It covers for so much, and and you know if you can be on for that three seconds 
once the ball is getting bowled or you facing up to it, if you get very good at that, you obviously become a very good player. Yeah. <clears throat> I noticed um, at Deadcare, at the Masters, we all had our um, uh, tags on the wall. And Johan, you had um, South Africa as your country. Um, but on the official results, you're down as Australians. So if you do go do, so, I mean, that 43 you ran, that would easily be enough to make the Sat Champs team for the South African team if you wanted to. Is that something that you might do? Um, no, I'll, I'd like to, you know, have a go to Circle Carnage and, and try and up my laps and get into the Australian team. Yeah. Um, and it's not anything against South Africa. I just feel, you know, look, going into uh, Backyard Masters, you know, my crew sort of joked around and looked at the South African record and it was 38. And um, so, we, we, you know, I pushed it up by, by about five, which was nice. But I still feel, you know, I want to run with, you know, Australia's got one of the best teams in the world at the moment. And I certainly want to test myself against the best. Um, but Dan and Josh did joke and say, you know, why don't you go and win the South African Satellite Champs and go to Bigs that way? <laughs> but you know i don't know yet not yet I, I feel you know i'm only 41 now if i can give myself a good couple of goes at sort of 43 and 45 when it comes around again um i'll, I'll do it that way and, and if that doesn't work and i'm starting to go 46 47 i might <laughs> might go the south african route but uh for now i want to run with you know tim aaron phil ryan and whoever makes it and and i'm certainly no guarantee so i've got to put in some work to to make it but that would be the plan to try and get to perth next october yeah yeah so you'll definitely be at hysterical carnage then yes yes that that's sort of my next event that i'm prepping towards so i've got to go to the us for five or six weeks pretty soon it could be friday or saturday um so i'll just stay consistent through there i'll you know i'll just um keep training no huge mileage um but once i get back i'll sort of lock into to go to hysterical and you know if there's a, a few really good runners out there hopefully we can push the laps up um otherwise try and put it all on the line for a silver ticket and uh, try and make it uh, that way into the team yeah um by the way congratulations on your um wings or is it wing, one wings for life run you came second in yeah yeah the wings for life world run um the red bull sponsored run so yeah that that was a nice event um surprised by the turnout you know i've been a couple of times and there's like 50 people and then the second year there were about 100. so i thought ah oh, it should be similar so i arrived at about 50 minutes before the race and there was 700 people around victoria park in adelaide and the first hour and a half was just weaving between people and dan kamak came first actually amazing run you know he, he did 54 k's before the the car caught him i was just short of a marathon so i was really happy with my run um you know further than i've, I've gone in that event so so that was positive you know to mm. to run at higher pace for so long i felt was was a really good training run and then probably the best training run for me was crewing for david turnbull at westmax monster um you know i jumped in with him at 106k and went all the way to the end so i was on the trail with him for 39 hours and you couldn't ask for better you know time on feet sunrises sunsets 
Yeah, awesome. And with this Wings for Life, was there really a car that chased you down? No, not in Adelaide. Unfortunately, not in Adelaide. I would love to do one with a car, but um, ours is virtual. So download the app, your headphones in, and there's like little updates and motivation every now and then from Colin Jackson, you know, the, the 110 meter hurdle sprinter, a couple of the great Britain um, athletes. And that just gives you an update every now and then. And I think with two Ks to go, it says the car's approaching or it's catching up, one uh, K to go. And, and then, you know, at some point it just says the car's past you. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a great, it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it next year. I've decided it looks like heaps of fun. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an awesome event. You know, so many people out there and some people just walk and you know, there's, there's quite a few in wheelchairs. They get pushed around or they, you know, wheel themselves around, which is great to see. You know, there, there's nothing for, for me and us to complain about. And, you know, for Adelaide, I think it started at 8 p.m. and we ran till sort of around 11, 11 p.m. Yeah, because it's, um, it's a fundraiser for spinal research, I believe, isn't it? Yeah yes yes spot on that that's it so you know your all the entries go straight into that it's, it's basically a donation and um you know they use it for research and and so on mm. um tim i was looking at your um ultra running resume and i noticed like you've pretty much done everything on the trails you've done 100 miles you've done coast to cozy backyard ultras one thing i've noticed that you haven't done is like a, a track ultra like a 24-hour run on the track or something like that so do you think you might give something like that a shot in the future oh it's not out of the yeah it's not off my radar i, I tend to every time i see the results i always click on them and i'm always like yeah. what they get to 24 hours what they get to i reckon yeah i reckon on a good day i could probably get i reckon i could get to 240 but um i mean that's it's such a it's an interesting one because you're pounding the pavement, like you're pounding that track, you know, it's over and over and over again. And, and as easy as it might sound to do six minute Ks for 24 hours, um, it's, it's one of those things that like, I mean, you'd have to really train for it. And a lot of my training is so varied. I don't run too, too much flat stuff, but I mean, I've given, like, like you just said, I've given everything a crack, but down under for me was the biggest surprise ever. Like I've, I've been completely training for herdies all flat and then I hit something hilly and then I don't know, it all come together. But it's funny, like Aaron, Aaron mentioned about, um, you know, going into uh, the Masters um, with a different approach and that approach was don't put pressure on yourself. Or, you know, it's almost like I'll just go into it. So he had, you know, that's down under is probably the first race in a long time where, I'd come off herdies and gone into that and gone, oh, well, whatever will happen will happen. I don't want to waste my race entry. I'll just go run it. If I get to 100K, it's fantastic. And it's it's funny, like, when you don't put any pressure on yourself, you, the result just comes. Like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do to do well at Masters. And, like, I'm wrapped that I, that I got my PB and, I you know, I got a little bit closer to that bigs list. But I think when you put a lot of pressure on yourself to get a performance – it tends to weigh heavy on you. And I, I think Aaron's a testament to, you know, going into something, not putting too much pressure on yourself and just going, you know, I'm going to go out there and have fun. Because I reckon out of everyone that I've seen, he was one of the, one person that had a hell of a lot of fun out there. 
So I didn't see him have too many down moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Tim, it's also been um, – everyone knows that, like, you've had some pretty hardcore hallucinations, like at the Sat Champs and at Hurdies as well, I believe. So did you have that problem at the Masters? No, I reckon I reckon um, my nutrition was on, like, working with Gabby as well. Like, we've kind of refined – like, I had a fair bit of um, – a down under, I was working with her, but we'd only been working together for a couple of weeks, so we changed a couple of things up. Um, it was great from a energy standpoint. It was perfect, but I still had the pretty bad hallucinations. Um, but at Masters, I didn't get any hallucinations until the third day. So third day, I think. Yeah, until the third day. And all I got was that I think this is the first or second fence um, that you that you kind of the gate that you went through. There was like this really big post, and it was a, it looked like a guy in full motorbike leathers. And a helmet, just black and green leathers, and just looking down, and he's just standing there down. But the the freak, like usually you see a heap of things, whereas this thing was like every time I ran past him for probably it was, I had that hallucination for about six hours. I didn't see anything else but this one guy standing there in these motorbike leathers, just looking down. It was freaky as, but I think I think because I'd nailed my nutrition and had a little bit more sleep, it wasn't everywhere. It was just this one guy, and I was just like. I don't know. Maybe there was someone there. Who knows? Maybe I wasn't hallucinating it. But that was apart from that, that was the only hallucination that I had the whole time. It was amazing. Yeah, it was interesting when I spoke to Phil a, um, a little while ago, like about a week ago. Um, he doesn't really have hallucinations because he's so good at nailing everything, like his nutrition, yes. his sleep, um, everything. So he he might have a bit of auditory hallucinations, but because he's so. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes and it makes perfect sense. Like, I mean, I used to like. I mean, you some of the stories I've told you were all at times where um, I wasn't nailing everything, and then it's kind of as it goes further, and it and it makes sense because you, your brain's starting to say, "Hello, I need something." You're not mm -hmm. giving it to it, so it starts hallucinating. It starts to deteriorate and stuff like that. So. Um, which, you know, in the past, I didn't look at that as a trigger for, you know, stop, rethink what you're doing, maybe have a nap, maybe have something else to eat. I just went, woohoo, you know, <laughs> this is awesome. Look at all these things I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now I think, now I've learned that you've got to kind of master that so that, that those things aren't happening. And for it to not to happen for me for two whole nights and, and, and you know, two days, I was pretty pleased with that. And that was just that one little thing that was happening to me. But, yeah, aside from that, yeah. But it's funny, though, like, I mean, you know, you lose all track of time anyway. And, you know, I mean, between hour 30 and hour 55, I couldn't tell you what I did. I, I yeah. Like, I lost all sense of all, all sense of that time. And it was awesome watching those guys, like the guys go to 100 because I'm like, you know what, they're, they're in that bubble of I don't, like, it's all happening. And, you know, you, you could have, I could have fat another race in um in between what when i stopped and when they finished yeah so and it's like what on earth did they do for those 50 hours you know yeah well i think i Not drove anything. yeah I, mean, I i started driving home on the sunday i think no mate on the monday but i got home i drove all the way back from deep cow gully to geelong and they were still going yeah, it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy
Um, but yeah, Laz, I think Laz mentions um, about, you know, you get to this point, and I think I've spoken to you a little bit about it. You do get to this point where it's just like nothing. You just keep doing what you're doing. It's almost, you become almost robotic and you just go over and over and over and over again. And I think that that's, yeah, that for me, it was from that, you know, from 30 to 55, it was a bit like that. I didn't really remember, but I was starting to get, I felt like I, I almost got to a point around that 50 hour mark, aside from my, my ankle, like nothing else hurt. I was coming in going, oh my God, nothing hurts. Like, yeah. All right, let's go out again. Oh my God, nothing. Oh, yeah, no, actually, this ain't ankles giving me grief, but nothing else hurts. So, um, but yeah, it's amazing. We, and everyone gets there. I reckon everyone gets there. And then that's what I reckon Sam, um, Harvey, and Phil, they all channel that and they just keep going and going and going. So mm. they're on a level, so which is pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, there's three totally different people as well, like their personalities and even their tactics too, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Phil, I think out of all of them, Phil's the hardest to to um, nut to crap because he you watch the way he runs and he has no flaws. Like, he's he, he runs it. He, he doesn't play any mind games. He just runs to his own tactics. He's fast. He gets a lot of rest. And then you look at you, you might look at yourself, you go, I haven't had a shower for four days. I, I you know, my feet are killing me. I'm running yeah. 10 minutes to lap slower than Phil. It's like, I've got no chance. And he looks so strong as well. Like, he's always the first in the starting corral and he's always the yeah. fastest away as well. So all you ever see of him is like first in the starting corral and then the back of him at the start of every lap. So he just looks so strong the whole time. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's his biggest strength, that he just looks, he looks as good as what he did on lap one, on lap 100. Yeah. So I think that that's, yeah. And, and you know, if, if, you're, if you're looking at what he's doing, you're not worrying about what you're doing, and then that's where people fall apart. I think that, yeah, you've got to kind of just work on what, what, what's good for you, and then see how far that can take. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Aaron, you were out there with them the longest. Did you know or have a feeling that you were part of something special, like you were part of a race that was going to go over 100 hours? Oh, I, don't, I don't think at um, the point, like even at 60, I knew that they all had a fair bit left in them, but I don't think anyone really knew how far it was going to go. Yeah. Um, and like I think, I mean, yeah, they all looked like when I finished up at sixty three, they all looked pretty strong. Um, you know, I'd I'd been chatting a little bit with Harvey throughout the day because he'd kind of been hovering back a little bit. I don't know if he was chatting to you as he ran past him, but every he'd kind of hang back a little bit behind for the first probably. 2Ks to the gully at least, and then he'd kind of run past and check that we, we like check that I was going okay, and you know, so um, like the fact that he was doing that and then kind of jogging off, and and Sam always looked um, pretty strong as well, and and Phil was, you know, um, most laps was miles ahead, but there was a few laps where he kind of ran the first 2Ks and then he pretty much walked. The rest of it, I know I caught him once or twice on the, the second day and just um, they were probably more, some of my quicker laps where he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just having a slow one and 
and then he just we just kind of walked together so you've um you've raced against phil the most times aaron does he look like he's improving every time you race against him i think he's getting everything um certainly the there was a big difference between how he went at the masters versus last year at the sat champs and i know last year's that sat champs he he had a, a i think a, an injury or two like a few little niggles um kind of like 20 or 30 laps before the race finished um this time it didn't really look from the outside like he had any of those issues so you know uh Look, looking at him at the moment, I'd say that's probably the only thing that could could you know stop him at at bigs is if he, if a little injury or something throughout the race. But otherwise, he looks pretty solid and like he probably had another you know I don't know he looked like he still had a lot left in the tank when it finished. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it was um. I saw it written down that the three of you ran a lot together and you were working together. Um, I was wondering, um, for people who don't race in backyard ultras and they see these three runners describe that they were working together, like what 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 does that actually, can you explain like how you actually work together in a race, um, Johan? Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just going to go there and, and say that, um, I ran a little bit behind Aaron, Jess, and um, Carl Douglas last year at Birdies. I had a I had a bad hamstring from lap seven, and I sort of picked them up from about lap twenty two to twenty seven. So I sort of knew a little bit about the strategy. And then when Aaron mentioned it to me on lap four, um, you know, how about we we stick together for a while? Um, I thought it was a great idea. I, I usually try and leave it as late as possible to, to get onto a strategy. I thought, oh, I need to do that later in the race. But, you know, this time we sort of clicked into it straight away. Um, during the day, Tim was probably a little bit quicker than us. Um, but during the night, we ran a lot of laps together. I think the first night we would have done pretty much all 12 together. Um, and the working together was just sort of, we almost took turns to, to look at the clock. So, you know, one lap, I'll be looking at the seven minute clock. Okay. So it's walking time, three minutes walk, and then get into the three and twos for a while. And then someone else would do it. Um, so I don't have to look down on my watch all the time. And that's sort of how we helped each other along. It, it wasn't, you know, just one guy. And, and, you know, as Tim mentioned, Aaron's energy was, was unbelievable. I had a photo jokingly, um, that Brad took. Well, I was sort of on his back and I almost pulled him over. Um, I think it was day two. And I was saying, geez, you've carried me for 24 hours because we took the photo at 28 hours. And um, and I said, geez, your your knees and back must be sore because I've been on your back for 24 hours now. So, you know, it's it's certainly helped me big time. You know, there were patches. I reckon one of my toughest was 22 to 24 hours. I don't know why it was just before sun just off the sunrise or around sunrise um i found that difficult and then lap 37 i came in with about 90 seconds to spare and i was very close to calling it there so i was happy to to get out there again um i remember aaron and tim probably saying to me at that stage come on you're so close to your your pb um 
let's get that done and then see where you go from there. So I was happy to add six to, to you know, from 37 um, because Aaron actually knew that I did 40 on my 40th birthday. Um, so that was like an unofficial PB. And I just wanted to get rid of that because I don't want people to sort of ask me about it and, you know, does that really count and, and things like that. Um, so that was one of my big goals in this event. I needed to get that 40 off my back and just say, you know, I've actually legitimately done it yeah. in a race. So that that was a big motivation for me to, at that 37 mark, to sort of get in there. My crew had a bottle ready and a snack and turned around and went again. Yeah. And was this the first race, Johan, that you're in a backyard ultra that you, you've worked as a team or worked together with other race runners for as long a time? Oh yeah, definitely. No, no doubt about it. You know, like I, I mentioned in the previously was probably 22 to 27 at birdies was the first time that I really, you know, worked. I wasn't so much working with them. I just sat behind them yeah. and just listened to them talking. So it was Aaron, Jess and Cole. And, um, you know, that, probably got them a long way further because Aaron was the assist there. I think Jess went to 44 or something. Mm. Um, and by that stage, I was playing backyard cricket with Sean and them um, while Aaron and Phil were running. So as <laughs> soon as I left for the lap, the two bins would come out. We would be stacking the tennis ball around at the campsite. And then as soon as we saw a runner come in, um, the bins would be removed and uh, open the way for them. <laughs> um, um, that's... That's something else to add. I think that working together, the, the banter that we had, particularly on that first night, <laughs> everyone looks so miserable in the cold. So, um, you know, just us just having something to, like, you know, joke about. Um, I told you that we we made our own imaginary little podcast and we were, like, just... I think Tim brought music for a couple of laps, and we spent most of the time. <laughs> he had all these like dance tracks on his uh, on his phone, Shocking but because music. it was just the phone, it just it sounded like a Game Boy. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of like spent two laps just tearing into Tim's music, even though you know on a good speaker, I'm sure it's great music. Uh, we just <laughs> yeah, it just had a lot of fun. yeah. <laughs> we we just had we had so much fun, and then that, then. We were talking about the podcast. We were like, oh, we should get um, Harvey on Harvey as our first guest. And so I, I did, like, it was my job to ask him to come on. Um, and so then the full next day, the, the two of them kept bringing up that I hadn't asked Harvey to, to join our podcast. And they were just, you know, uh, riffing shreds off me. So the first lap of the next night, I went, oh, Harvey, do you want to come chat with us? We made an imaginary podcast. So... And then that turned into Harvey running with us. And then by the, I think within two or three laps, we had pretty much the whole group running with us. Um, Sam joined us, Ryan joined us, John joined us. And then Phil did for a couple of laps when he wasn't doing sleep laps. And it was just became a little bit more of a, a group kind of dynamic, which was, I think, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, sorry, that was certainly an highlight, you know, for Harvey to sort of, take charge i think it was around that lap 36 37 he said okay you know let's get this done and we ran probably a six or seven for five five laps and that got me past my 40 and a couple more um so yeah it was great to to sort of you know run with, with a big pack for a little while there i think pato also with the with the running as a team thing um it's 
what happens is that no one person is feeling down at any one time. Uh, like not everyone's not feeling down at the same time. So what what you find will happen is that you'll have one or two people. Um, they'll push that pace, and then if you're in that group, you're like, oh, I don't want to be left, and then you'll just keep going, and that might drag you for a few laps. And then after a while, you're like, oh, okay, I feel good. Then you might take the lead and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I've actually I've actually used that in actual point to point races, or we even at Unbreakable with Tom Dade, Ben Nichols, and Chris Norris, um, we all did very similar things. I was no one wanted to be left behind, but you were like, I'm either going to get left behind, or I've got to run. And it's like, well, I don't want to be left behind. Okay, I'm going to have to run. And then you, so you kind of keep running and you're like, oh, but I'm so, but I don't want to get left behind. And yeah. then so you keep on going. It's all, it's, it's really funny. Like a lot of the times those kinds of things happen, it's the same, almost the same thing as when you're kind of sitting there and you're about to time out in the chair and all you wish would happen was someone would just walk up to you, grab you and take you into the corral and drag you out for that one more lap. And then you'd snap out of it. So it's almost like that kind of, I don't know. It's like almost like a tribe mentality where you don't leave anyone behind, and then you keep going. It's yeah. It's it's really weird. Once you if you do have the opportunity to team up with someone, it's amazing. It's because not one of you, you you're both not going to be down at the same time, and the other person will always pick you up, and you'll always be able, to, and then you'll be able to return the favor at some point. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's one of the mistakes I made actually because I went in with a plan to just listen to music at night time. And I didn't take those headphones out and I just felt so isolated out there. I felt like I, there was no one else out there except for me. Oh, I know you weren't, you weren't the only one. The <laughs> three of us, we were, we were giggling all the way down the road and we couldn't <laughs> believe that the zombies that we were looking at. Like, everyone was a zombie. No one was talking to anyone apart from the three of us making fun of each other. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, and then the time, like Johan said, the time passed so quickly. Those twelve hours, they absolutely flew. Yeah, um, did you come up for with the name for your imaginary podcast? Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't come up with the name, but but we had the we had the three little lines. I don't know how we're going to get into a podcast, but Aaron always said, "Well done" if, to every single person that ran past. I said nice work, and then uh, Tim said nothing. So we gave Tim a little catchphrase, and he just had to say "kaching." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be "kaching," actually. Yeah, I felt bad because you guys were like real super duper supportive of the other people, and I'm like "kaching." <laughs> How are you? Know. How are you feeling after um, Masters? Um, how are you feeling after the Masters, Pato, and like leading up to birdies? How oh, how are you? Um, the body, the body, feeling about it all. Yeah, like mentally, I'm feeling really good. Like, and my body is feeling good too. Um, I can't wait. I, I feel like it was. I was pretty disappointed with my performance at the Masters, like timing out on lap twenty one. I knew I was going slow, um, but I thought I'll just run the whole way because if I run the whole way, 
I can't time out. But I, I ran the whole way, but I just wasn't running fast enough. So I heard those whistles going. And it was weird because I just didn't have the mental focus to realise I had to push and just run a bit faster and I'd, and I'd make it. Um, so, yeah, I drove all that way to do 20 hours, which is, I mean, it was. All, I, mean, I had a great time. It was an awesome experience, but I just wish I lasted for longer. I, I would have liked to have at least done a PB. Did you, did you um, yeah. what did you change from your previous um, event to this one where you think that, mate, because you're obviously an MVP, you, you hit a PB, you were pretty happy with your performance. What did you change? Did, what do you feel that you changed that you shouldn't have? I don't even know. I felt, I, I, I think it was all, I just don't know. I mean, I'm trying, I'm still trying to work it out. And, I look at my Strava a lot, and I'm not sure if it's um, if I should, but I look at my heart rate a lot, and it's been through the roof um, for the last few months. And as I was running by myself through the night, I was thinking, is there something wrong with me? Maybe I shouldn't run faster because, cause like, I was getting paranoid, like I was sleep-deprived and stuff like that. So... Um, so I've since like got blood tests and I had a heart, like had a special heart rate thing, had to wear for 24 hours because I was so, I wanted to either figure out if I if there is something wrong, like I don't know, deficient in iron or something like that, or if it's just all in my head. And at least if it's all in my head, I know I can just um, forget it, forget about that side of things. And at birdies, I'll just... I'm just going to try my best and see how I go. But when was your last race? Uh, so after MVP, I did the Coburg 24. Yeah. But the thing is, at that. the Coburg 24, it's hard to measure how I actually went because the weather was so bad. It was like 40 millimetres of rain in, in 12 hours. So I did hit a wall, but that might just be part of running 24 hours, I, I don't know. Um, I, I ate a lot. I drank a lot. I had I had tail. I was drinking tailwind the whole time, so I was keeping my electrolytes in balance. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing the doctor on Saturday, so either they'll tell me there's something wrong with me or or I'm just, uh, I've just got to get over it. Yeah. See, seeing that the boys... Seeing that the boys are now opening the podcast up and firing with questions, um, Aaron, question for you: You talk, or I, you know, know that you like cross training. Um, what sort of mileage were you doing on the bike leading into um, backyard masters? Oh, look, I was probably most weekends I was going out for like two to three hours on the like with. Um, with John, like just riding, like we were doing sections of the Mundabidi, just and I might, I might have done oh, most weeks. I might have done like a half an hour, forty-five session on like the the trainer, um, but not nothing really structured. Just I tend to because I, I use a, a program like an app called Zwift, and so because it's like a virtual kind of world that you're riding around in. There's always someone that rides past you that's riding a little quicker than you, and I always get sucked into trying to um, chase them down and 
beat them. Um, so yeah, there's probably maybe three hours a week on average, I would say. Um, I did do a couple longer rides. Um, that were both the, there was two of them that were both around 400 k's, and that was kind of like <laughs> a full. That was a full day thing. So that I think they both took somewhere around the 18 to 20 hours of actual time on the in the saddle. Okay. That's a lot of Interesting. Rest. I'm just yeah, asking so... from a cross-training point of view, you know, because you mentioned it earlier with your nutrition. So I just wanted to know when, you know, what was that ride looking like? So that would have been those 18 to 20-hour rides. Yeah, and look, in the lead-up to Hurdies, my, I guess my weekly kind of Ks running was probably somewhere between about 120 and 140, um, whereas in the lead-up to masters i think my biggest week was maybe like 95 k's of running so it's a lot less um um than i have done in the past and the the other things stayed the same like every monday night i've got a swimming session um that i do with my coach um and i'll generally go to the gym twice a week and usually for about an hour and a half that's kind of what my week week looks like uh, or did look like yeah you're yeah. um no i was gonna say sorry I, yeah i was just gonna say i noticed you do um pump a bit of iron on your um instagram account yeah well i think um the the, ma the main reason for all the weights training is it's um i i don't know if you're familiar um with a do, is it are you guys familiar with ross edgley do you know who ross edgley yep. is yep i don't yeah so he's um for those, those who don't he's an endurance athlete like he he's probably his biggest feat is he swam around the entire of um great britain in one stage swim over about 150 odd days but he's done a lot of other like pretty crazy things like he he towed a car for a marathon i think he did a a rope climb to the height of mount everest he's done like some just some some crazy endurance feats um and he talks a lot about uh adaptation in the body and essentially like to break it down and try and simplify it um the way you get your body to adapt is by um exposing it to certain stress and stimuli um and so one of the things that i looked at and read about was um that particularly with your running um <clears throat> lifting heavy weights in, in particular movements like deadlift and squats and those kind of things um and putting load through your not just your muscles but your joints and ligaments is really good for their their long-term i guess like for their for their growth and development to support you in running longer distances um and so that's really the the main reason that that i do that and um you know try and focus on um like most of my bigger lifts like deadlifts and squats it's usually working in a rep range of around four to six reps and um you know if i can if if i let's say i'm doing four sets of deadlift if I can manage to do six reps of a weight, then I'll move up a weight and and just keep trying to um, each 
each session trying to improve um, what I'm what what I'm able to lift and um, improve my strength. I don't know if that made sense. What I was just saying. No, it does. Yeah, I definitely don't do enough um, strength work. I enjoy running too much. I, I hate cross training. All I want to do is run, and like I think that for myself, like if I want to go further, I'm going to have to do a little bit more strength work and stuff like that. I, I think you can only um, uh, rely on experience for so long, um, and you know if if I was to do you know 24, continue doing 24 or hour races or 200 kilometer races, it might be okay. But I think this really really long stuff you can see the guys that are strong um tend to go fairly long that's yeah just um, an example with you and, and phil and them because i see phil do strength work as well yeah um i was gonna i i just based on what we were talking about before pato um i just want to ask you like is there anything from that you're taking away from masters that you're wanting to change or like improve on when you go to birdies i'm definitely gonna um work on running my laps a bit faster because i was running them in about 52 53 minutes and i think i kind of got into that death spiral without realizing it so i am gonna run my laps faster and i think um and I have, I've already started on my runs now. I've started like um, running periods like two or three Ks here and there. I'm trying to like step up the speed a little bit because I went about 12 months when I didn't even try and run fast. I was just running slow and long. And I think maybe that might have been a mistake. Um, I used to run um, all my runs. Like I was aiming for a sub three marathon in 2021 and I I wasn't that far off, but now I'd, I'd struggle to do it in under four hours. So, um, but as well, so yeah, I think, I think speed and fitness, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not as fit as I was. I don't know. We'll have to see, but um, I think this heart rate thing has got me though, because it's just way higher than it used to be. So I just want to figure out if what's going on there and then either fix that or stop worrying about it. And uh, do, you find, do, you, do you find it all though? Um, uh, see, when I kind of, when I was probably five or six years into running, I was probably running maybe two events a year and they were like a hundred K and maybe I'd be lucky to be 160 K and I'd have a ton of recovery. Like, my recovery from an event would be don't run for three weeks, maybe a couple jogs, maybe then have Christmas, and then after Christmas I'd start running again. Um, what I've found now is that my recovery from um, events, although the body feels okay, my heart rate, my heart rate spikes as well. Like even now, my heart rate is probably 10 to 15 beats um, higher than what it would normally be, than what it is before the event. And I've been doing like I've been having six to seven weeks between events, um, which is probably not enough rest. So it may just be down. It might come down to something as simple as not enough rest between events. Because mm -hmm. 
yeah, we te- I te- definitely take for granted um, how much you know rest I really need because when we when we're mixing in these circles of you know people doing these backyard ultras, then six weeks later doing another one, and then eight weeks later someone's doing this, and you're watching people Strava, and we're all in this vortex of events, events, events. <laughs> whereas, whereas the the smart athlete goes, I've got two events this year, I'm going to train for them, and that's it. I I've yeah. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes we can get wrapped up a little bit in how many events we do, and we don't allow our body to recover enough. So it might be something, something like. But yes, like in terms of the heart rate spike, I definitely get a heart rate spike after an event, and that lasts for a good month. Mm. Um, it's interesting you say that thing about the rest because I was actually reading a an interview with um, Giannis Kuros today, and he used to take like eight to nine weeks off after every race. He was saying. Without any running at all, he's like the and he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, well, that's it. He probably understood how much it took out of his body. I think there's a, like a calculation for every mile. Uh, this would make no sense to us because we run for so long. But um, for like, it's, I think it's uh, a week um, or something like that for every mile run. So it would be like twenty weeks. Or twenty something weeks from a marathon, you would to recover before you can do another one. Right. I mean, we'd be having every we do a backyard ultra, and we'd have to recover for four years. But <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, there is a lot to it. I think I, I, I don't think we're all all built the same, and I think that that's a that's a tricky one too. Because and also we got to take into account that we're racing against um, people like Phil and Harvey and Sam and. Um, we may have that potential to be like them, but you know, it, when someone's running, say, ten loops and running in a race to where Phil's running a hundred, and they're looking at Phil and going, oh, "I raced in the same race as him," and then, "Oh, I can race again in you know six weeks," that may not really tolerate like like that exactly the same like that. But yeah, so I think yeah, rest is important, um, and not to get sucked into too many events. But it's easy to say. Everyone gets FOMO. Yeah, and there's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I just, um, I just, whenever I've got a bit of extra money, I'll look at the calendar, figure out a time, figure out a race I can fit in, and then I'll, then I'll pay my book in, like because I'm doing, I'm doing birdies and I'm doing Shepparton, I'm doing hysterical carnage, um, and then I'm doing um, everything I just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've already and I've already signed up to go to Herdy's next year as well. And I'm also and I and I am going to do MVP. And then I'm thinking I might even go to do Gumby to do the uh, to chase a silver ticket at Gumby. <laughs> we'll see how we go. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you definitely have experience on your side. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, Pato. Yeah, well, it's too much fun. So I'm not going to stop. Um, and I figured, like, I drove back from I drove back from Dead Cow Gully, and that took two nights. That, so that was a bit of a rest. But I don't, I don't <laughs> run. It isn't like I'm running 160 miles, like 160 k's a week. I'm I'm averaging between 80 and 100. So I'm not like I'm not going crazy. I'm just maybe running a few races. That's all. Yeah, that's still a lot of k's. That's still a yeah. lot of k's. Yeah. 
Like, I was actually planning on doing my biggest week of my life this week, actually. What yeah. What's that look like? Oh, I, was, I was 160Ks. I haven't done 160Ks in a week, not including races, so just a training week. Yeah, I don't think I've done that in a week of training either. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I listen to some people sometimes and I hear them say, like, on other podcasts, oh, if you haven't done a if you haven't done 160k weeks, you're not a real runner and stuff like that. And I think, oh, I better do it. <laughs> you can't you don't get sucked into what other people say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What you find though that you you the when you get um say you'll do 160, you get more consistent, and then they just it's funny like. You know, you, you'll run your first 100K week and you'll go, oh, my God, that took me years to run a 100K week. And then you just back it up with another 100K week and then another one. And then it's like, oh, hang on, this is just normal. I just wasn't pushing it hard enough or mm -hmm. whatever. But, yeah, I, I think it's each to their own. But I've um, I've managed to do some, some cool races, like 100-mile races with good times, and I was doing 75Ks a week. And it was all about the quality of the training because um, you can put junk miles in. And um, for, for back out ultra, junk miles is probably a good thing. But for normal races, I, I reckon the quality of your running has got to be, you know, up there. Like you look at the elite marathon runners that run 160Ks a week, you know, these guys are elite. Like I can't sprint as fast as these guys do a marathon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in... If you, yeah, comparing yourself or, or I, me comparing myself to someone like that is just ridiculous. Like, you know, those guys can, can do those 160K weeks because that's all they do. Um, and they've got everything else around them, the nutrition, the recovery, the all that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy doing 100, 160K weeks. <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, went on to the Melbourne Marathon website to sign up last night, but it's sold out. So that might might be a good thing, um, really. <laughs> racing schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, well, th hey, thanks heaps for coming on, guys. It's been a really good chat. No, it's thanks for having us. It's gone. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Yeah, no, was, we've been almost 90 minutes, so that's really good. That's one of the longest ones I've done. I feel like we could have, I feel like we could have chatted for a lot longer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, look, um, all the best. So what's your next race, Johan? Um, I'll do a single carnage. So I'm taking Tim's advice. I'll, <laughs> you know, it's about four months between events. So I'll have, I'll have it easy for the next six weeks. I'll go to U.S., just keep it ticking over probably 60 to 70 to 80 Ks a week. Um, and then when I get back, you know, try and pick it up a little bit and then uh, race November 17. Well, um, we're in, um, where in the U S are you going to be? I'll be in Dallas and, um, I think it's Morrisville, North Carolina. That's where the tournament will be held. Those two cities, towns, um, and then might spend a week with the family in LA before coming back yeah um yeah so th so that's the plan that will take us to sort of early august yeah cool um there'll be some uh nice spots to go running there i reckon 
they should be they should be and um you know i heard a couple of days ago there might be a playing opportunity at the end like mid-august so i might might stay on for a little bit um and then i thought i might book a week somewhere you know go to leadville or go somewhere and, and have like a running week just between tournaments um and then i also actually made contact with harvey and he said oh no just come come stay with me in ohio so you know i might take him up on that go see the legend in action and uh go spend a week with him and and you know see what his day-to-day looks like yeah. um and then go and play for a week of cricket and then come home a little bit later in august yeah sounds good it's um he's an amazing guy like as nice and friendly he looks um on social media he's actually like that in real life mm-hmm. it's unbelievable yeah. he's such a nice guy yeah <clears throat> he gave me a few tips out there too which was good yeah no i think you gave a lot of people a lot of help and advice so i was yeah. definitely um the right person for for tim to bring over for the for the masters i don't think you could have picked anyone better to come over yeah. i think it was just um a mix between luck and and picking the right person because i think he reached out to a few but he was just lucky that harvey lewis is the one who said yes yeah Mm. and also i think no you go you go tim you go tim i was actually i was actually pretty impressed with harvey's result i i thought with um bad water coming up i thought you know he'll come over and like i'm sure like like any runner he'll give it his best but he'll have that in the back of his mind i reckon he epitomizes what ultra running's about it's like don't worry about tomorrow just worry about today and that's what he did and then to come out and do 90 loops and now he's running bad water tomorrow or right now or whenever it is um is just insane so it's um it's a credit to to the type of runner that he is yeah yeah it's pretty amazing yeah i'm a, I'm a huge fan now after after seeing him in action in real life um well uh, yeah thanks a lot um guys um we'll keep in touch and uh and tim do you do you know what race you'll be doing next or you're just going to wait and see what happens with your foots and bigs and everything like that yeah I'll, I'll see what happens with bigs but um if it's not if it's not bigs then you know i'll um i might look at another backyard ultra but um or coast to cozy at the end of the year it would be it would be cool bigs would be awesome but um i mean yeah, if it's not meant to be it's not meant to be yeah sounds good um well all the best everyone um aaron i'll see you in um a few weeks at birdies and um johan and tim i'll i'll pop johan i'll see you at hysterical carnage and <laughs> and tim I'll see you I'm, well all <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might see you at shepherd and you said you might go there with ollie yes yeah i might take ollie down to shepherd and i'll see i'll see if um if everything lights up i'm actually i'm going to be at no time to die if you if you're doing that one um <laughs> no i'm not doing that one yeah i want to but no i'm not, I'm not. <laughs> make sure you're good to run by then tim because i'll have to take you onto the trails before the no time to die oh most definitely most definitely i'll take you up on that sounds good all, right. all the best guys thanks Thanks, Thanks, Pato. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pato. See ya.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.